This is episode number one with special guest, former NFL player and American Ninja Warrior, Anthony Trucks. Welcome to Life on Purpose. My name is James Lachlan, former seven-time world champion musician and now success coach to leaders and high performers. Each week, I bring you an inspiring leader or expert to help you live your life on purpose. Thanks for taking the time to connect today and investing in yourself. Enjoy the show. Epictetus once said, know first who you are and then adorn yourself accordingly. And Napoleon Hill said, every adversity, every failure, every heartache carries with it the seed of an equal or greater benefit. Anthony Trucks is a former NFL athlete, American Ninja Warrior on NBC, international speaker and transformational identity shift coach. At the age of three, he was placed into the foster care system. He was then adopted by an all-white family at the age of 14. At this stage, he began to apply himself and set goals, hit a wall, overcame that wall, and finally achieved said goals. By the age of 25, he was on the Pittsburgh Steelers roster, had a beautiful wife and a son. Disaster soon struck with a career-ending shoulder injury. He started his own gym business, which tanked, and he almost went bankrupt. All the while, his marriage was in tatters. The weight upon Anthony's shoulders led to a feeling of hopelessness. And one night, he took a long drive with the intention of ending it all for good. Fortunately, he didn't follow through on his suicidal plan and shortly thereafter had a life-changing conversation with a close friend. He then spent years shifting into his real identity, which resulted in his marriage thriving and becoming an epic father. He became a best-selling author and international speaker. I was so inspired by this conversation with Anthony and I didn't want it to end. I cannot wait for you to hear the amazing lessons and insights that he shares. In this episode, we discuss how fear holds most people back. And if it wasn't for fear, you'd have done it already. We discuss the true meaning of fatherhood in this fast-paced era. How finding your purpose actually starts with passion and the fact that discipline is a key success factor in leadership. Many people lack the self-discipline to be an effective leader. If you enjoy the show, please make sure and share it with a friend that you think might be inspired. You can just copy and paste this link wherever you're listening to it on Apple Podcast or Spotify. And please make sure to subscribe over on Apple Podcast and leave me a rating and a review if you've been inspired by the show. It helps me to reach more people and impact more lives. Okay, in just a second, the one and only Anthony Trucks. Anthony, yeah. you've had an incredible life of ups and downs and challenges. So can I ask you please to share a little bit of your story um, of childhood and teenagehood and through to making it into the NFL? Yeah, man. I'm uh, NFL. It's a, it's a crazy monster. So it's like NFL, and I've been on TV shows and weirdness, and all that stuff was not the norm. <laughs> it's a uh, it just so you can, before <laughs> I've been talking about. I mean, statistically, if you go to America, any prison in America, seventy five percent of the inmates are former foster kids, and fifty percent of our homeless population has spent time in foster care, and less than one percent of us actually graduated from college. And so somehow I beat those odds and then still played in the NFL, which is a small percentage of human beings do that. And then I had a business that I ran and sold after a decade. So a small percentage there. 
And a lot of it ties to an adoptive mom who, man, she loved me past my crazy. But the way even came to that was at three years old, my, uh, my real mom took me and my three siblings, all four of us, and put us in the foster care system, pretty much said, I don't want my kids anymore. And she gave us up into this crazy world that was not a very good world for us, man. Like the, the world did some, we'll call it damage <laughs> to us as kids. And so through a lot of ups and downs and navigating identity, like I didn't know who I was or where I fit, man, it's it, six years old, I ended up in a family. It's an all white family. So I had these dynamics of not knowing what's up, Kate, not knowing who I was and where I fit and what goes on. And then, you know, get to the point of like 14, I'm finally adopted. Life begins, but it's crazy because my mom's sick. She gets diagnosed with MS. Uh, my older brother goes in the military. and I'm one of six. And he was like my rock trying to figure out football. I'm horrible at football. And, you know, I kind of almost gave up on life at a young, young age and was going to become a statistic. And then I decided not to uh, through a weird turn of events. I was like, I'm going to be great. I'm going to beat these odds. I'm going to do something amazing. And I, I kind of set my sights on something different. And so I decided to, like, work incredibly hard towards something that didn't make sense in the moment. But there was no reason to believe that what I was trying to do was actually going to come to fruition. But I did. I planned out how to execute and I ended up getting a scholarship. So I played football at the University of Oregon on a scholarship, got a chance to play in the NFL, had a kid at a young age, married my high school sweetheart. After college, I chance to play in the NFL. But when I got done, um, I broke my life. <laughs> the best way to explain it, you know, my marriage got shot. Uh, you know, I business was tanking. I was almost bankrupt in the business. I wasn't a present father. We had two more kids. We had three kids and just it wasn't, it wasn't good, man. I didn't, I didn't like myself. Post football, I was not a fan of what I was living. And sure enough, it gets to the point where, like, I want to take my life genuinely. I was like, if this is life post-football, I don't want to be here. And a lot of people who are, who are listening to this story, it's like, cool story, bro, right? It isn't really, you know, it's like just some guy's story. And there's a lot of bad stories. But the big thing that I want to impress upon the heart of the individuals listening right now, and I'm talking to you, is that there is a level in your life where you don't want to be. And there's two places it could feel like. One is like, holy crap, this sucks. I really want to get out of here. Or it doesn't hurt enough to move. The problem is both those places land you in an end result that you don't appreciate and you don't want to be in. And so right now you might be going through life and it's just, it doesn't hurt enough. And for me, I find out like eventually it hurt enough. For a couple of years, I went through that fog of kind of like doing whatever I do, no big deal. And then I was eventually like, you know what, this hurts enough. I don't want to feel this. And when you don't want to feel it, something has to change. And I dug in. I realized that, that I and all of us was the common denominator in all my problems. I was the one that was always there, always, always around, we'll call it consistently, and all my problems. So I was like, I got to figure out what this guy needs to work on. And, and through a turn of events, man, I figured it out. I did a lot of work. Uh, I found out that there's a process to it. There's a way to navigate it. And so uh, after three years divorce, got my marriage back together. My kids are happy and healthy. My business is thriving. I'm in good shape, um, you know, better shape than I was, we'll call it. I'm not in football shape like I used to be. <laughs> But but the big thing was it was a catalyst moment of my mom passing away. She passed from MS, and I got to the point where I was like, I got to find some way to make this woman's investment in my life worthwhile. I got to do something to press into the world in a way that carries her message. And what it was for me was like she unconditionally loved this little bad black kid that really had you know was not her blood. She had no reason to keep me, and I made her life pretty difficult. And I was like, damn, if she can love me past the crazy to help me reach a full potential. What if I can unconditionally love the world in that manner? Those who don't love me, right? Those who cause problems to my life. How can I love on them and create something special for them that allows the world to be better from whatever the world I went through? And so that was kind of like the catalyst to my, my life being what it is right now. And, uh, and yeah, man, so now in this world, I get to go back and give back through messages and speeches and videos and teach things from, from lessons I've learned 
and then guide people along what I call the shift method to get to that point in their own life. That's truly beautiful. That you can just see that the transformation that Anthony decided to go upon was a decision, and that that process that you talked about, the shift method. Can you please share a little bit more about that, and also let us know where we can find out more? Yeah, yeah. So there's a couple of ways. One, if you if you want information on this, and and possibly it sounds like something that resonates, have people. You can go to my inbox and, and Instagram here. You can do it right now. We're on here, and just type the word yes. shift and message the word shift to me, and then I I can pop and have a discussion and connect you with the people in my team. They can unpack everything. But here's what I realized. There is a, a stage, multi, like multiple stages you must go through to get where you want to be. For me, the end result is an identity shift. And so that, what that means essentially is you shift into the person who has what you want. Because if you were that person, you'd already have the things you want. You'd think a certain way. You'd, you'd feel a certain way. You'd do certain things that are easy. And the shift method goes through a concept of first C and then shift, and then sustain. There's three specific stages. We don't got to go super deep unless you really want to go deep. But what I did is I took this, this look at my life and said, where did I navigate all these crazy things? Because I've, I've gone through, I think we, we counted like 30 plus shifts that other people when experiencing them usually get stuck on and never come out of. But I got through a lot of them, like all of them, right? So how did I get through them was the question. Where does neuroscience tie in? Where does psychology? And how do I make that actionable for human? Because it's all good to hear stories. We can sit there back and forth and tell stories all day, but but, you know, Jason and, and, and Mohamed is on here. Like, they want to know how in the world you do it. Like, what was the thing? How can I take that in my life, plug it in, and actually have my life do that? And so I was like, let me figure that out. And I, I worked through a process. Here's what I realized that I, I have I've understood from science and habits and identity. Your habits, what you do consistently, will turn you into somebody. It just does. Unfortunately, we borrow habits from people. We see something we read. We read an article and go, we should do that. So I do that. And I never realized that every time I'm being somebody and showing up, I'm becoming someone. So people get to midlife and go, I don't even know who I am anymore, right? Well, it's because you just adopted the, the habits because the boss said to do it, or you read it in a magazine because Jennifer Lopez did it and you love her butt. Like, that's not a realistic reason, you know what I mean? So, so I can say who you want to become is a big piece of it. And then what football taught me was this. You have to understand how to execute, first execute, but first plan strategize and plan at a world-class level. Most people buy planners, like they buy these planners, with no idea how to plan. So what happens is you never get to the point of trusting the plan, and if you don't trust the plan, you'll never execute, right? And mm -hmm. so what happens is football taught me how to masterfully exit, strategize and, and, and pretty much you know, plan something that I could trust and follow, and then the execution part happens. A lot of people never actually execute. They get to the point of, of the moment of I got to do it, and then they procrastinate, they make excuses, or they delay, or they say, you know what, I'm going to do that next week. And then midway through next week, they couldn't get started. So they're like, uh, I'll do it next week, and it's always going to be next week, right? So how do you show up in those moments that you plan for and do it? And it's not just taking it one time. Now that I execute on it past imposter syndrome or fear of failure or fear of judgment, because that's what happens. Most people think that it's uh, like, oh, I just don't have the system or information. Most people have too much information. It's not a shortage of information. There's a fear dialed in somewhere, even if it's just a fear of failure, right? And so if you didn't have fear, you'd already be doing it by now. We're just being honest. If there wasn't some little fear somewhere, it would already be getting done, right? And the last piece of it is the one that's most important is are you staying consistent? Because most people, they, there's zero consistency. They'll try something this week. And then it gets hard, and the next week they don't do it, and then they, they keep not doing it, and eventually nothing pans out, and they wonder why there's no success. I ask people when I talk to them, let me take a look at your life a year ago. 
if you had done a year ago everything you planned yourself, you were going to do and promised yourself you do, what would your life look like right now? Like, seriously, if you were to, you know, think about I was going to get up every day and get a workout, you'd be lighter. You know, you'd be in better shape. If I was every day going to do a podcast, right, I would have a podcast with followers and, and listeners. If you're going to launch a coaching program, you'd have clients and be making money right now. If you had to do social media, you'd have followers that could turn into something to help you support a community and a cause, right? But people get into something with no plan. If they do execute, it's short-lived. So all of a sudden, consistency becomes impossible because it's not who I am to do this thing. Because here's the beauty. Those things, they got to be done. Everybody who wants what you want does them. If they have it, they've, they've been doing it. But it looks easy to them. It is easy because it's who they are. When it's like, it's just like what you do, Dude, it becomes fun. So imagine if, uh, if I wanted to, uh, I had to take this pill, and this pill, I hated taking it every day, but if I took the pill, I would lose weight. If I hated taking it every day, I would take it for a day, and then I'd be like, oh, I don't want to do it. Oh, it's gross, right? And, I would, and eventually, I wouldn't get the result of it. But what if somebody loved popping the pill, man? Every day, I'm popping it. Oh, yeah, right? That person loses the weight. It's the same thing for life. There's a pill you have to pop of, of specific needle-moving actions you got to do consistently for your dream. And when you learn to do them with joy, you have the success and it looks easy. And so for a lot of people, if you just pop it on, the, the true thing of what I look at with the shift method is see, shift, sustain. I see what's got to be done. I craft a plan. I shift. I do the work. I execute consistently. Sustain is going to be over time. And you can do those three things in a way that we teach in the method. And we do a lot of like planning, structuring, strategizing, and then it's a lot of action, 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 action. Dude, life changes. Everything turns over. The one issue we typically run into, which is an interesting question, is, you know, I'm already in this coaching program, or I got this information, or I read this book. You know, when I'm done with that, then I'll go and talk to you. And it's like, oh, I think you're completely missing the point. The problem is a lot of people get information overload. They get shelf esteem. I buy it. I feel good. It goes on my shelf, and I feel good. And I never consume it. And I never execute it. I'm the guy that gets you to go in and say, okay, what do you have access to? What information do you have you haven't utilized? What steps do you know you should do that you're not? How do I get you to do those things and not just do them one time, but make it who you are? Because once you got that one done, that becomes easy. It's, spinning, it's like riding a bike, right? You're struggling to ride the bike right now. The moment you ride the bike, now you can take something else on. Throw the newspaper, chew your gum, have a conversation. You can add more things that make you successful. So many people right now in life haven't even learned to ride the bike. So they can't go to the next thing that can give them success. And so I teach you how to kind of ride the bike of your life. I just made it up. I think it makes sense. That's, I think it makes sense to me. Let me on that bike. I want to know more. I think that's seriously phenomenal. I love the whole idea of shelf esteem and, you know, buying all the self-help books, but they sit on the shelf. That's, that's golden. Yeah. So we think about parenthood. You know, I think... Uh, when we, as parents, we are leaders, we are role models, we're modeling for our kids. So a question I've got for you is, what does it mean to be a dad to you? You know, what, what is it, yeah. the meaning behind being a dad? <laughs> it's everything, dude. It, it, for me, it's everything. And I genuinely mean that. It's not like this arbitrary, like, oh, it's everything. And I'm not, I'm not the consummate, I'm not the perfect father. But it, it really boils down to a lot of how I look at, at legacy and life and in my background, right? So I grew up in an environment where I did not have my real father in the picture. I didn't meet my real dad till I was 21. You know, I had foster dads and it wasn't a good, you know, I had one good foster dad, even though my dad, he's a good guy. Uh, he's only 12 years older than me though. Like I have a weird dynamic there because it was, I was young when I got adopted and he was also. So what ended up happening is I look at the world 
and I realized that for me, there's a moment in time when I was 20 years old, sitting in the University of Oregon locker room, and I was about to go into a workout. I get a call from my fiance because we were engaged at the time, no baby in the picture. And she calls and says, I'm pregnant. And I'm 20 years old, and I'm a college student. And most people would be like, did you freak out? I had people telling me, tell her to get an abortion. Dude, the moment I heard, I was like, dude, I'm excited. Because yeah. I now could give back to a life the way that was not provided for me. Like, I'm, I'm a college student. I'm going to have a degree. Like, no one in my family has a degree in my extended or my adopted family. Nobody has a degree. Like, I, I got an opportunity. I got a, a, a fiance, you know, a girl at home who she's in college too. Like, she's getting her, her degree at the same time. And, I mean, I didn't know I was going to do it, but I was like, all right, well, I'm a full-time student. I'm a full-time athlete, but I'm also going to be a dad. So I was like, I'm a dad who plays college football. That was the identity shift I made. I'm a dad who plays college football and is a student, right? And when I realized that, like that came as priority, how I would be at home. I wasn't partying and hanging out. Like I was at home. It, it literally, it, it formed a different kind of, I guess, connection of what was important to my brain in those moments. And I now am in a place where I got three kids and my oldest is 16 and he just got his, his license, get his license, got his new car. Uh, the dude is an amazing human. Like I love him even more than my son. When I separate myself from being his son, he's just a good human, right? And it's like, it's awesome to be able to be his dad. And that's what informs my decisions for how I show up in the world because I realize that whenever you go into the world, you are always someone to someone. Oregon did win. Uh, we won last night with 60. Hey. And, uh, well, two nights ago. So what happens is when we go into the world, we're always someone to someone. We don't even know that someone, right, typically. And you do things without realizing that there's going to be this, this base of people that see who you are. And so for me, one of the things that my kids will be able to say at all times whenever I'm here or not here is, my dad's Anthony Trucks, and he's a, he's a great man. There'll be no one that can walk up to them in a private moment and say, but you didn't know this about your dad, or you know, he wasn't as good as you thought. And, and so my kids will be able to walk with their heads held high knowing that I was their father, the way I showed up in the world, who I served, how I do these things right here. It's a living example of chasing a dream, like a dream to take my craze and make something useful. It's a living example of how to treat humanity. It's a living example of how to treat your wife, how to treat your kids. So I'm a living example of these things. And I think when I say my being a dad's everything, it is who I am. It's an, it's an everything thing. It's not, it's not just Anthony floating, you know, through life. And I think nobody, even if you don't have children, it could be for your parents. It could be for your siblings. It could be for your colleagues. It could be your orphanage. you got to realize that when you're entering this world, there's going to be people that are going to say they know you. And for me, I want to have the people that will be introduced whenever they say I know them, they're met with this. Oh, my gosh. That must have been great. That's a great human. So I do the things because I know that they're going to have those moments later on. That's unbelievable. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I think for those people who are watching, like having a legacy statement or, you know, how do you want to be remembered as a dad, as a human? Anthony just shared that with us. And that was incredible. And everything that Anthony does, it sounds like, dude, whatever you do, you're doing it with that in mind, thinking about yeah. your loved ones, your kids. That, that's truly beautiful. 100%, man. You got to. There's always got to be a driving force. And I don't think it always has to be some pie-in-the-sky humongous thing. Sometimes it's something simple that you just feel connected to it at a, at a core, you know, ethical daily process. Like, that's my, my little thing in the back pocket. That's why that's how I make decisions. Should I, like this morning, it's an interesting dynamic, but I have a, a speaking agent. And I have a speaking agent that comes on, and no matter what speech I get, we have a contract that says that she gets a percentage, whether I book it or she books it. And you'd think, like, well, she didn't do any work on that. Why should she get any connection there? And so prior to us even signing on, I had this organization I'd signed a contract with a while ago 
and it was supposed to take place this year in, in I think, April. Well, obviously things shut down, so they shut it all off, canceled it. She wasn't even around at the time. And my, as, a, as an agent, I think it was beginning, like, January, February this year, I started talking to her, we signed on. So this company came back and said, hey, we want to, you know, have you do a virtual event in January. We're talking almost a year later, and they want to do it. She wasn't part of it. Just today, I messaged her and said, hey, I just concluded a, a virtual presentation that's going to take place in January. This company, they don't do social. It's, it's a nonprofit. She would never know. The world wouldn't even know I'm doing it. But for my integrity purpose, I let her know, hey, I have this thing coming. You have money coming from this. She didn't know about it, wouldn't. And, it, and it's not so much that, that it has, like, I don't even know why I'm telling you, because I wouldn't tell people this stuff. But for I me, it. I realized, but this, this is the integrity piece. So that if I was doing my thing and she did find out, my kids said it, be like, yeah, but you know what? Years ago, your dad, I found out he took a speech and didn't pay me. Like, that could happen. You know what I mean? And I, I would much rather have her get paid her percentage because she, one, deserves it. She's an amazing soul. And two, because I can't live with that darkness on my heart, but also three, I never want to have that moment happen in the future where, where that could be a, a degrading aspect of my integrity. And so like little things like that, they teach me how to live. I want my kids to never have that moment, which means what I do in the dark will always come to the light. And if you don't live your life in that manner, you're going to have a lot of things all of a sudden pop out of the light that's going to darken your life. That's unbelievable. I think, you know, looking at that from a dad perspective, not leaving crumbs, life crumbs behind where you're looking over your shoulder, thinking, oh my God, I didn't pay that person or I did this and I wronged that person. I think it's beautiful to have that mentality. And for those dads and moms out there, or any human for that being that, that matter, who's trying to find their purpose, how does a person go about finding their purpose or attaching yeah. passion to a purpose and being that human? Yeah, so it's interesting you say attach passion because there is something to the passion. I think there's a lot of things that people will say in this manner, and this is what I have found to be true. I'll tell you through a story of my life. So my, my first passions were football, right? So football would do my passion of football. And I was in you know, just high school. And then I was like, oh, I can go to college. Let me try that. And then in college, I was like, wait, I can go to the NFL. Let me try that. In the NFL, I lost my passion. Like I, you know, not that I lost my passion. I lost the game, so I couldn't play the game anymore unless I wanted to go out and get arrested for tackling people on the street. So I couldn't do that, you know? And so I get to this point where uh, I'm now in a position of like, I, I don't know what to do. I'm doing this gym thing, which I was passionate about, but I kind of had this like, there's something more, right? And I didn't know my purpose just yet. But here's the thing. At every level, I was like, I'm going to retire playing football. Then it's like, oh, well, that didn't work out. I'm going to retire doing the gym thing. I sold out in the passion of the moment. I just, I would sell out. I would do everything. I wake up early, go to bed late, learn everything. I do all this work. So I'm passionately chasing what, what resonated with my heart that didn't make sense to people. I almost went bankrupt in the, in the gym business probably seven times, dude. But I, my, my friends and my wife were like, cancel it, close it, just take the L, move on. Like, and I'm like, no, I got to do this, right? And so my passion led me, and then it led me to eventually like consulting. I'm like, oh, this consulting thing's really cool. I can talk to organizations about how to keep their people healthy to minimize strains and sprains in, in the industries of corporations. So I was like, all right, I'm going to do that. And in doing that, I was like, oh, well, you know, people actually like me talking so I can talk and I'm doing fitness. I'll talk about fitness. So I was talking in fitness. Again, a new passion came up. Let me go talk on the, the, the fitness, you know, kind of uh, we'll call it the, the circle or whatever, the circuit. So I started doing that. And then I was like, I like talking. And then people heard my personal story. They're like, we love your personal story. It's like, oh, well, when I try something like that, happened across a guy named Brennan Burchard who teaches you how to do this stuff. I'm like, oh, interesting. So like, let me try this. So I leaned into that passion. I've been doing that since. And I, I got to the point where 
I, I, oddly enough, I become like a, I'm a person that goes to Brennan events and weirdly like end up on his stage. It's a, it's a long story, I but I ended up chasing the passion of like whatever I'm doing, I'm selling out. So I would talk and I would share and then I got asked to volunteer. And so I volunteer and you get to be around the people and you get to learn stuff. I eventually got to meet him and you can, and then the, the things just roll, but because I'm passionate about it in the moment, that thing I'm, I'm introduced to more. And we ended up getting, uh, you know, he, he invited a bunch of guys out to this, uh, this ranch in Wyoming, Jackson Hole, Wyoming. And I'm talking about guys on a table like him and got Lewis Howes and Trent Sheldon, Russell Brunson, Jeff Walker, Dean Graciosi, all these amazing minds, you know, and great hearts. And we're all sitting there. One of the guys, Ethan Willis, I'm telling him my, my business called Trust Your Hustle at that time. And this is where the passion leads to the purpose. So I'm telling the story and, he, and all these guys, he goes, I don't like it. I go, what do you, wait, what do you mean you don't like, what are you talking about? You don't like it. And I'm like, this is my life's work, dude. This is what I've been building up to all my life. I've been doing this. He goes, yeah, I don't like it. I'm like, what don't you like about it? He goes, well, you know, there's a message and a messenger. He's like, the message is this thing that, that is a powerful message that lands, right? But the messenger, you get the messenger connected to that and you got magic. And he's like, you know what? I, I want to know. He's like, the, the hustle part sounds good. He's like, but how in the world? Did you get to the point where, like, you navigated past the, the being the foster kid? How did you navigate past losing your football identity? How did you navigate past losing your mom? How did you get past losing your marriage? How did you get your marriage back together? How did the business keep going? How are you here? How are you in this room with all these people? It's like one of those things would knock so many people off track. What did you do different? And then the conversation was like someone said something like Brandon might have said something like it's, not, it's kind of like an identity thing. It's who you are. I was like, interesting. He goes, yeah. I think you should look into that. Look into identity. He's like, no one really talks about it. There's got to be something there. He's like, I'm listening to your story. There's a certain part of who you are that's different from everybody else I know. And I was like, all right. So I kind of dug into it. And lo and behold, like 70% of the stuff I've been working on was already in line with the science and the study of identity. No one else in the world was really talking about it the way that I think um, it could be definitely talked about in a depth and how it connects to our common you know, world. Because right now it's all habits and mindset and productivity. And don't get me wrong, those things all work. But what's interesting is identity is like a burrito of all those rolled up. When, when, you, when you are of an identity of the person who succeeds, there's not a question about mindset. It's just who you are to do that thing. Somebody else calls it a strong mindset. You call it Tuesday morning. You know, like there's, there's the habit. Somebody else like, you got some powerful habits. I'm like, yeah, that's how I run my morning. It's my morning routine, right? You know, there's a way that I have this, you know, certain aspect of my performance, high performance. Yeah, that, that's my regular performance. You call it high, you know, like, so there's these levels when it's who you are, it's all wrapped up in your identity and it's easy. And so the more I unpack, it, I was like, dude, that's where I, that's my purpose because my life is a, a, just a connection of crazy to get to this moment of like, I'm the guy that's navigated more forms of identity than most people have before I even knew it as a foster kid and then adopted by an all white family diversity. Then I got to be the kid that's, you know, a, a, a mom who's sick and has MS. I'm the one that sucks at football, great at football. Um, the, the only, you know, the, the kid that doesn't fit in it in school because I talk like this but look like this. You know, it's a different dynamic called Oreo. I got called an Oreo back in the day a lot. I got picked on in that way. Then you get to college. I'm, I'm a guy who was a kid. Nobody has a kid in college as a football athlete or is faithful to one woman. I had teammates tell me, you're never going to stay with that chick, bro. Get past her. She's my wife to this day. You know, like, so there's different dynamics. And I got buddies who will still talk about that, some of my linebacker buddies. But there's a dynamic that's still in, in place. And then I get to the point of like losing a grandfather. And then I, you know, I lose my career in football and I lose my marriage. And I'm a bad dad and I lose my mom and then I build it all back up. And then I, all these different pieces of my identity. And that's the thing that for me, I think was the purpose. But here's the answer to your question. 
when people are trying to get to their purpose, they're not willing to chase their passions. Wow. That's the problem. All I did in that entire story, I kept chasing every single passion that, that popped up in front of me. I was like, I feel like I'm going to try that. And I chased it. My heart said, go do it. It didn't make logical sense to anybody else. But the problem is, is logic is, is the thing that most people are living off of when they shouldn't be. Because logic is typically the norm. If you think about America and you, you, you kind of study the numbers, 53% of people are unhappy in their life or in their career. So the norm is, is, is discomfort. The norm is being unhappy. So if I want abnormal, I have to do what they would say is abnormal. If they're saying it's cool, I know it's not the right thing to do. If, if the, the masks are like, yeah, do that, I know it's not where I want to be. So I chase the thing that doesn't make sense to everybody else, but it makes sense to my heart. And I make sense of it over time by taking actions, by failing and little by little, I get met with a fork in the road. Every one of these things had a fork in the road. It was football to a fork, to a gym, to a fork, to consulting, to a fork, to speaking, to a fork, you know, like all these. And then boom, here we go. We land on something. And, and that's where you get to the point of like, I am now in a space where like, this is what God created for me to do on this planet. He put me through the crazy. He got me through with a mindset and a heart and a perspective and an identity of a man who knows how to utilize that for a positive force. And so that's what I do now. This, this is like what I'm called, called to do more than I can even imagine. And I, and I would have never known it if I didn't chase the passions. I would have robbed the world of the gift of me. The same as everybody else, unfortunately, is doing right now. So many people are robbing the world of the gift of what, what they were created for. And when you finally lean into that and you do that work, dude, the, the world opens up for you and you get to enter it powerfully. That's mind-blowing. That's absolutely amazing. Please rewind the last few minutes and just replay that. That is absolute gold. And I should take a moment, actually, Anthony, to thank Brendan Burchard. He's the reason that you and I are doing this right now. Oh, I see yeah. you at his Influencer Summit. You are insanely yeah. awesome. And I reached out. So a big, massive thank you to Brendan for connecting yeah, yeah. us. Thanks, B. Appreciate you, bro. He's a good dude, man. He, he literally is behind the scenes until you seem to be in the front. He's a, he's a good heart. They got these cool yeah. people on Yon Diaz. He kind of the Bajos is on here, too. Florence, how you doing? You got some cool folks paying attention, hanging out, too. Yeah, I love it. No, it's great to see all you guys logging on. Great to see you guys commenting on this amazing, amazing story. And so I wanted to ask you one question as well. What is the connection, or what do you think the connection is, between leadership and mm -hmm. fatherhood? Oh, man. I mean, <laughs> well, the thing is, there's kind of that concept. I think leadership is an aspect of uh, it's, we have to immediately think external, right? I'm leading something else. Uh, and there is a, obviously a big piece of you're leading an aspect. But it's funny because the word discipline has to do with some of the same stuff. And discipline is usually a personal thing. So here's what I'll call it. I think leadership is the aspect of being able to be someone who is, I guess, worthy of, of being in front or at least worthy of, of guiding the direction, right? And then someone who is able to, to do the thing to get people to the destination we're trying to go. So it's one thing to be like, I'm the leader and be there, but you can be a bad leader. Just like you can be a father, be a bad father. And I believe that they're one and the same to an extent. Discipline, when I talked about that, what it is, is uh, if you think about disciple, means to follow, right? And then plan is plan, right? So to follow a plan. And typically it's your personal plan. I think what happens for a lot of people is they, they want to be leaders, but they're not disciplined enough to be a leader. The discipline in of itself means do I hold integrity at a certain level that keeps it consistent for what it is that I know needs to be done? And then do I hold everybody else down the line accountable to that by holding my account, myself accountable? When I was in college, I was never the yelling kind of guy. I was the guy that lived it so thoroughly that you saw what had to be done. I'd mention it, and you would feel bad 
for not doing whatever I did. I had, when I was a senior, I had 20 linebackers, and I was the sole senior over 20 linebackers. And we still got things done, man. But I wasn't ever yelling. I wasn't ever cussing. I led it. I showed it. I did the work. So that I, that my discipline led to them seeing a leader do it. And then leadership became easier. So I think if somebody's getting to the point of trying to like be a good leader or a good father, people will do what they see, not what you say. Mm-hmm. And, and, and what they see has got to be the actions. Like they say, you know, your, uh, your actions were so loud I couldn't hear what you said, right? Like that's kind of a thing. I've always lived my life in that manner. It, it's not always for everybody else, but I realize that the best leaders lived it. And so I focus on leading myself. Now, if somebody wants to come into the, to the loop and want to work with me or be around my, my ecosystem, my business, or they want to be a client, when I start teaching and telling them, I can have a better outcome for their life because they are bought in. The problem with leadership is if you don't have bought in followers, they don't do the work necessary to get the outcome. And they will not buy in if you're not bought in. And they'll see it. So when people come and follow like my kids, if I tell them to do something, like for example, my kids, I always tell them, if you kick a piece of trash on the ground, you're going to pick it up and put it in the garbage. If we're out in public, I don't care what it is. If you don't touch it, cool, it's not ours. But if you put your foot on it, you kick it or whatever it is, that means you knew it was there. You're going to pick it up and put it in the garbage. And my kids have always done this. I don't typically kick stuff because I don't want to put it in the garbage. Well, <laughs> one day I, I got out of this, uh, the car at this track meet with my son. There was an apple, and I kicked the apple because I wanted to see it explode. And I kicked it, and my son looks at me, and he goes, are you going to pick it up? I go, yeah. And so I went around and, and picked up every little piece of the apple <laughs> and put it in the garbage. Now, you, I could easily have been like, no, nah, I ain't picking that up. It's wet and gross. I could have walked off. But what kind of leader is that? Because now every time I tell my son to do it, it trickles into the rest of the pieces. Like, yeah, dad said this, but he didn't do this. So, uh, you know, it's the little nuances. So if I want to tell him later on, like, son, make sure you get this, this homework done or make sure you're home at this time for the curfew. There's parts of him that aren't bought into the leadership because of a, I didn't pick an apple up. You know what I mean? Like, and it's a, it's a little taken away. So as a leader, you got to know what you're going towards first. Like, we do that because I want to make sure my kids understand, like, you, when you touch something, you're not part of it, you know? And, and the other piece is you're, you stay consistent to integrity. So they get to see that. So I tell my son, if you say you're going to do it, you got to do it. Whether you like it or not, it'll teach you what to say yes and what to say no to. But if I haven't led that way, then they're going to falter. So in fatherhood, I'm leading other humans, the most connected humans I have to go out of the world and affect your life, James. Like they're going to affect you. They're going to talk to you. You're going to have a connection in a weird butterfly effect way, right? So I'm going to make sure my kids understand how to do it by being a good leader as a father. But as a leader in my life, they're also seeing things as well because not everything's tied to fatherhood. So I'm in a long roundabout way of kind of talking, but I think for me, the big thing is lead by example heavily. And don't do it because you want to have them see you do something. Do it because it's who you are and it becomes easy. And then you're a natural leader. They call it a natural leader. All the natural leaders I've ever seen are fairly disciplined, even if it's discipline to do something stupid, right? They're, yeah. They could be disciplined to be bad leaders, but they stay the course. They do that thing, right? So my, my thing is make sure you're staying dialed in and disciplined to whatever it is. And then show people by your example and by mentioning it what to do. And then big thing is celebrate it. That's, that's the one key piece is when people feel celebrated to do something, they, we are humans that like connection and we like environment, we like community. And so what happens whenever you, you do things to show somebody the benefit of being part of that community, they want to be part of it more and they want to do the things that stay in the community. So unfortunately it happens in, in negativity. If you think about like the Holocaust, the community was we do this to certain people and then you get celebrated by it, by the community. I want to be accepted. I'll keep doing more of that, right? So it's a bad way of looking at it, but truthfully, it's how humanity works. So if you want to be in a space 
where like you you have this cool community like celebrate the people when they do what they're supposed to do because you've led them to do that thing a great job amazing even if it feels funky most people aren't really good at giving like praise praise people man hey great job good dude hey, i'm like like let them know and then they do more of that now it's easier to lead somebody who wants to do what they're supposed to do in that area that's amazing like absolutely amazing i've been studying in depth this year i pick a one liter a year but i go deep so i've been studying every book i can find on nelson mandela and nice. what you've just said connects so like you're, you're very nelson mandela-esque in terms of your mindset <laughs> your leadership your humanity and the one thing he talked about was you know lead from the front sometimes you got to lead from the back but lead from the front by example and as you say, humans and kids are little kids who are beautiful little humans. They don't yeah. do what we say. They do what we do. And okay. that's just, you've reinforced that massively. So thank you. Yeah, very welcome, man. Incredible. Now, I know we're going to wrap it up shortly because I know your time is precious and I really, really appreciate this. So one, uh, one question here around self-care. So mental health. Mm -hmm. um, has taken a massive hit this year and it has been increasingly over the years with different stressors, but 2020 has been difficult for many. So when we look at the statistics of mental health with suicide, depression, uh, domestic yeah. violence, mm -hmm. largely men are the biggest statistics of yeah, being the abusers, the self-abusers. So yeah. do you have any advice for fathers out there, men out there, boys out there, in terms of self-care, looking after yourself mentally, physically, and how that connects? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So this, this is um, this is all of us. This is the world I live in. And we're about to, here's what scares me about the time we're about to go into. I just talked about this on a live stream earlier today. And I was talking about the fact that we're not only going into a, another lockdown, but we're going into the lockdown with a situation different from the spring and the summer. Spring and summer, you know, it's, it's daytime till, you know, 7, 8, 9 o'clock. Sometimes in California, it's daytime. You can go outside with your dog. You can go for a walk. You can get out and experience nature if you're tucked in all day. Unfortunately, now we're about to be in because it's cold, it's dark, it's dreary, it's wet, and we can't go anywhere. We can't go into a restaurant. We can't go in, you know, bowling. We can't do anything. It's about to be very scary. Like it, it actually gives me chills. Of, 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 it's, it's fearful of humanity. What's about to take place? Because unfortunately, not everybody gets to watch these things. They don't invest in this. And so, uh, one, like there's people. If you can be proactive about the people in your life, you need to reach out to. Because you need to make sure you keep tabs on them, what they're doing. Because right now, they're going to need more than they know they need of support. The other part of it is, sometimes you as a person to plant the seed but not water it. So there may be someone close to you that needs that conversation, but you can't be the person to do that. You're just too close, unfortunately. So what I talk about is I, I tell them to plant the seed, water it by introducing them to people that inspire you. You may not be the person to inspire and change them. You may want to be, but you may not be the person. They may not accept you and see you there. So what you do is you plant a seed and let somebody else water the seed and introduce them to that person. Other part of it that I look at is uh, movement's big. Like you should move every morning in some capacity, some way. If you don't have an inherent level of joy, if you do, you need to find a way to, to spark that because happiness and, and joy is chemicals in our brain. We are chemical beings, right? And so if you can find ways to navigate the aspect of how do we bring joy, which is serotonin, it's dopamine, or epinephrine, it's these things that, that kind of go into the brain. So exercise, movement actually increases this. It reaches something called BDNF, brain-derived neurotrophic factor. And what it is, the brain protein that helps balance and normalize and build the pathways of the brain, but also normalizes these different brain chemicals. So you find joy. You, you find happiness through movement. It's been shown to help with depression. And so if you are not moving, you're not controlling something. I don't care if it means buying a, an exercise bike or going, you know, doing burpees in your house. It's, it sucks in the moment but then it feels good because you accomplished it and you actually feel good afterwards. 
So the first thing is you have to see yourself going dark, man. Get up and move. It's a big, big piece of it. And then control the things you can control. I talked about this this morning also in the live, but control what you can control. Because one of the, the, the quickest ways to go downhill is feeling like, why do anything? You know, why even try? Like, you know, what's even the reason? Like, it's not going to, you know, feeling helpless like a leaf in the wind. A helpless, helplessness is very scary. Because it makes you think like, nothing, no matter what I do, it's not going to work. So why even try? Why even live? Right? And so the biggest thing is you've got to control what you can control. And it's two things. It's controlling your time, right? It's choosing to do something at a specific time in a specific manner and keeping that consistent so you feel like you have some power over something at least. And then controlling your response by planning for responses. Plan your reactions to situations. You may not have a perfect plan. Nobody does. But if you can choose in a moment to say, okay, if something goes wrong, here's my first step. I'm going to sit. I'm going to breathe. I'm going to meditate for 20 minutes before I take an action. Gift yourself 20 minutes to breathe before you do something. I say gift because it's hard to give. It's a gift. Gift yourself to release the problem for a moment, breathe and sit, and then come back to it in a different emotional state because here's the crazy thing. What you choose to do becomes the experience of the next moments of your life. If you make a poor choice, you experience crazy. The world's a mirror. If you experience crazy, you act crazy, you get crazy back, right? So if you can choose to realize, okay, I got to control the next moments, what do I want them to be? The decision might be something that's hard to do, but it's right, and it feels a little bit difficult, but you know it'll create a better outcome. You got to do that, but you can't act in a crazy emotional state without a plan for that reaction, because typically what we do is we react, and we can't put it back in the box. We say and do things we can't get back, and it's difficult because now it's like, damn, I got I to gotta commit to that now. You know, I said that. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put my feet in the ground and hold, right? And it, and it kind of sucks because you don't have to be that way. And so I just tell people I have a plan for the reaction of situations, and then breathe it out, and then navigate those things delicately. And if you can do that, you can kind of come into this, this pandemic or whatever, or the rest of your life with a better control of the situation. Because when you're the person who does this, because so few people do, I, let's just venture to say maybe 90% of the population doesn't do this. They just react. Look at social media. They just react. And, and so if you can be that top 10%, you get what the top 10% can't get which is happiness and a joy and a different level of life. That's simply beautiful. Thank you so much. It's amazing. And I want to say, Anthony, what is the best way for them? Just one more time for those who have joined us later. What's the best way for them to connect with you and understand what you're about? Yeah, follow me here, man. Everything happens on Instagram and Facebook and all that fun stuff. If somebody's interested in the work I actually do, which is essentially help people create really cool futures by actually getting something done, right? It's using a method that, that works, it's tried and true. Uh, but it's really cool to see people come into my, my programs with like a little bit of like, I don't know, imposter syndrome or lack of confidence, or they've had great success, but feel stuck and coming out in the back end, like feeling like a monster, like a whole different, amazing human through a process that's tangible and tactical and trackable. But I've done the work in advance to realize who am I going to be to become that person. If they want to know that, go to the inbox or go to my, my wherever my message is, message me the word DM or shift, sorry, DM the word shift. Uh, and then once you're in there and you hit shift, we start a conversation kind of to see if what I do might be a fit um, and talk to you more about the programs and the processes. And, and the way I look at it, man, we're coming to this. I love the January time frame. It's always this for some reason, which I don't know why it is. People are always like, I'm going to do something great. And then they go buy something and they engage in something. And then seriously, like statistically, within like two, three weeks, they're not doing it anymore. And it mm. sucks. They float back their same way. They don't have the same flow, the same planning, same execution, same lack of consistency and so for me i love this window of time because this is where i get some people to change their entire life because they come in and they for the first time learn how to live their life systematically 
at a way that allows them to apply not only what they know, but in the future do even more. It opens up bigger opportunities. And so I think the fun time for me. So people are like, man, I want to do something great this year. They have ambitions or they have some desire to do something great. Now's the time to reach out. I actually have one cohort that starts tomorrow. The next one's not until January. But, um, but yeah, man, if you guys want information, DM me the word shift, and I'll, I'll definitely give you guys a little insight to it. Well, get in there and be amongst it. Anthony is the real deal. He's walked the walk. He's went through some major adversity in life, and he wants to share his identity shift and help you guys find yours. So, Anthony, thank you so much. I look forward to one day connecting with you on, in person, on a stage, or backstage. Yeah, it'll be amazing. It'll happen. Yeah, well, Someday, well, man. <laughs> thanks, brother. You take great care. And when the book that I'm publishing comes out, I'll be sure to send you a copy, my friend. Thank you, man. Let me know. I'll get you on the podcast. We'll chat about it, too. That sounds awesome. I look forward to it. Thank you so much, brother. Very welcome. Take care, everybody. Thank you so much for listening in today. I hope you learned something valuable from the great Anthony Trucks. And I just want to thank you all for investing in yourselves. Please hit that subscribe button on Apple. I would love, love, love if you leave me a rating and a review. As I say, when you leave a rating and review, it helps me to impact more people. My reach becomes larger. I've got amazing guests lined up for the coming weeks. And guys, it's that time. Get out there and live life on purpose.